0: Well, if you do have uh, a Bible, will you please uh, turn back with me to Luke chapter 6? It is so encouraging to know that there is uh, a Bible-believing church here in Clidach. That is so encouraging. And I hope you're encouraged as well to hear that there's a Bible-believing church in the village of Binfield in England, even if you've never heard of it. (laughs) It's a village of around 8,000 people. And uh, we're the only uh, Bible-believing church in that village, so I uh, value your prayers if you ever remember us in prayer. So Luke chapter six, and today's message is verses twenty to twenty-six. So Luke chapter six, this is twenty to twenty-six, and I've entitled this message: "What makes you happy?" So in verses 20 to 23 we've got the famous beatitudes where we see those words four times there blessed 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 and blessed simply means happy simply means happy and then in verses 24 to 26 we've got woes where we see the word woe four times, W-O-E. Woe, 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 woe. And you could say that woe is a word of sorrow or a word of condemnation. So you could say this passage is about happiness and sorrow. So before we start looking at the text in maybe a bit more detail, let me ask you this question: what makes you happy? It's an important question isn't it? Something that we should think about often. What makes you happy? Well, a lot of people think that they would be happy if they were rich and famous. Have you ever thought that oh if I was rich and famous, if I had lots of money and lots of people liked me, then I would be happy. Well, um the newspaper the telegraph in 2016 asked a group of children under the age of 10 what they wanted to be when they grew up i don't know children have you ever thought about that what you want to be when you grow up i remember very clearly when i was either 7 or 8 years old being asked by the teacher in the class well she asked everyone in the class so this was Way back in 1989 or 1990, it was either 1989 or 1990. Long time ago, isn't it? Ancient history. And um, the teacher asked, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And everyone said what they wanted to be when they grew up. Do you know? I said I wanted to be a doctor. Can you believe that? <laughs> well, uh, that bubble was burst not long after that. I was never clever enough to be a doctor. But everyone else said they wanted to be a policeman. A few people said they wanted to be a doctor, some people said they wanted to be a vet, some people said that they wanted to be a teacher, someone said you wanted to be an army man. There were three boys in my class who were farmers, so they wanted to be farmers when they grew up. Well, the telegraph newspaper asked a group of children under the age of 10 in 2016 what they wanted to be when they grew up. And you know, half of the children said, when I grow up. I just want to be rich and famous that's not a job is it (laughs) well back in 1989 nobody in my class said when I grow up I just want to be rich and famous well many people believe if they had certain things then they would be happy have you ever thought that oh if I had that if I had this if I had the other then I would be happy. Or oh, if I had that house, do you sometimes look through um, Zoopla or whatever, isn't it? Or is it Right Move? Oh, the dream house. If only I lived there. If I had that house, if I had that car, have you ever looked through maybe Auto Trader or something like that and thought, oh, if I had that car, or if I had those clothes? Ever done window shopping? Oh, I could really do with that shirt, those shoes, that coat or whatever. Or if I had that phone, that's the thing today, isn't it? If I had that mobile phone, the latest iPhone, or if I had that coffee machine, that's a popular thing now, isn't it? To get a good coffee machine or something. Was it from bean to cup or something, isn't it? If I had that, then I would be happy. Or if I had the latest TV, isn't it? The big plasma TV screen, then I would be happy well even though we're in a so-called uh cost of living crisis as a society today we've got more possessions than we've ever had do you think that's fair to say even though we're in a cost of living crisis as a society we've got more stuff today than we've ever had uh i don't know if any of you remember the bbc documentary series the happiness formula. Do you, anyone remember that? There's a lot of it that's quite blasphemous. They go into sort of evolution a lot, but it's an interesting title, isn't it? The happiness formula. Is there a formula to being happy? Well, they said in one of the episodes that in the 1950s, half the population of Britain said that they were very happy. I think that's fascinating. Half of the population of Britain in the 1950s said, "Yeah, I am very happy." But now, only a third of the population of Britain would describe themselves as very happy. And in the 1950s, there were no mobile phones. There were no uh, games consoles. Not a lot of people had fancy cars. A lot of people maybe didn't have cars. And for much or most of the 1950s, most of the population didn't even have a television screen. Can you imagine that? No TV in your house. Well, in the 1950s, people were more happy, even though they had less stuff than we've got today. Uh, and I don't know if you've saw this other documentary on the BBC called uh, "Making Slow Happy." Now we don't live far away from Slough now, do we? But, oh, poor Slow. <laughs> I? Why did people feel the need to make a documentary series in "Makin Slow Happy?" The name doesn't help, does it? <laughs> where do you live? Slow? <laughs> well, they made a documentary series called "Makin Slow Happy." Uh, and it was about a group of experts attempting to teach the people of Slough how to make themselves happier. And one piece of advice that they offered them was: each day, give yourself a treat. Isn't that interesting? Is that the secret to happiness? Each day, just give yourself a treat. Well, will eating our favourite chocolate bar or having a piece of our Uh, favourite cake really give us true deep and lasting happiness will it really give us true deep and lasting happiness just giving ourselves a little treat every day Uh, I don't know if any of you have heard of the late and famous journalist and author uh, and broadcaster Bernard Levin anyone heard of him? Bernard Levin well, this is what he said. Countries like ours are full of people who have all the material comforts they desire. Yet they lead lives of quiet and sometimes noisy desperation, understanding nothing but the fact that there is a hole inside of them. That however much food and drink they pour into it, however many motor cars and television sets they stuff it with, however many well-balanced children and loyal friends, they parade around the edges of it, it aches. How true is that? But someone might say, "But I do feel happy when I get a new house." A new car, new clothes, a new phone, a new coffee machine, a new television set. Or someone might say, but I do feel happy when I eat my favourite food or have my favourite drink. But how long does that happiness last? It won't be long until we want to move house again. Isn't it? We see another house on Zoopla or move. Oh, actually, I'd rather move there. Or oh, it won't be long until we want a new car or different clothes or new clothes or a new phone or a new coffee machine or the latest television set and it won't be long until we want more food and more drink now those things don't last do they now it's not a bad thing to have and enjoy those things is it it's not necessarily a bad thing to have and enjoy those things but we shouldn't depend on those things to make us happy it's not a firm foundation to build our lives on is it those material things those temporary material things well in luke chapter 6 verse 20 i believe that jesus tells us exactly who are the ones who have deep and lasting happiness Look at Luke chapter 6 and verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, blessed are you. So Jesus looked at his disciples and said, happy, blessed are you. Isn't it? So Jesus tells us exactly who are the happy ones the ones who have deep lasting happiness it is his disciples but who are the disciples of Jesus or what is a disciple of Jesus well disciple just means learner or pupil doesn't it disciple just means learner or pupil So, a disciple of Jesus is someone who is learning from Jesus. And that's the question this morning. Are we learning from Jesus this morning? Are we going to his word, the word of Christ, to learn from him? Lord Jesus, show me how to live a life of happiness, true, deep and lasting happiness. a disciple of jesus is someone who is learning from jesus and look at uh, matthew chapter 28 this is 19 to 20 very familiar words aren't they known as the great commission if we turn back to matthew 28 this is 19 and 20 jesus said go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptising them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you so a disciple of jesus is someone who has saving faith in jesus who's been baptized in the name of the father son and holy spirit and is obeying everything that Jesus has commanded or is learning learning to obey everything that Jesus has commanded and every true christian is a disciple of Jesus aren't they every true christian will be a disciple of Jesus will be someone who's taken that step of obedience to be baptized publicly in the name of the father son and holy spirit and is constantly learning from jesus constantly learning to obey his commands so every true christian should know true deep and lasting happiness now sadly we often judge other people by what they do have you noticed that sadly we often judge others by what they do oh what what job have you got Or what achievements have you had? Or what sort of school did you go to? Do you find sometimes people judge you by those things? What do you do? Where are you from? I don't know, who are your parents? What school did you go to? We often judge people by what they do. Or we may judge other people by what they have. We often judge people by what they have their wealth uh, their looks their friends their possessions isn't it But what matters most in life is not what we have or what we do but who we are Shall I repeat that what matters most in life is not what we have or what we do but who we are that's the deep question. Who are you? I think that's a uh, question we all need to answer. Who am I? Who am I really? Um, I know um, of a minister who used to be a lawyer. And uh, he gave up being a lawyer, a very successful lawyer, uh, to become a student in a Bible college in order to train for the ministry. And in the first year of his studies he really struggled. Uh, it wasn't so much the lack of money that he felt, but the lack of self-worth. So he'd gone from working full time as a lawyer to being a student full time. And he really struggled with that. He sort of struggled to feel sort of self-worth. Uh, and he shared his struggles with a, a wise Christian, and the wise Christian told him something simple yet so profound. The wise Christian told him, "What matters in life is not what you do, but who you are, because there were circumstances in life change all the time don 't they? Um, people retire, uh, people have disabilities those circumstances can change so quickly. But who we really are deep down is so important. The secret to happiness is found in who we are. And ultimately, there are only two types of people in the world. Christians and non-Christians. We're either in Adam or we're in Christ. There are only two types of people in the world, ultimately. Christians and non-Christians. And if you're a non-Christian listening this morning, you will never, ever, ever find true, deep, and lasting happiness until you become a Christian. And in our text this morning, Jesus tells his disciples who are poor now that they are actually blessed. They are actually happy because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Look at verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that amazing? So the person who is poorest in this life, the poorest person on earth who is a Christian will inherit the kingdom of God will inherit the new heaven and the new earth. Isn't that amazing? And Jesus tells his disciples who are hungry now that they are actually blessed. How can someone who is hungry actually be happy? Well, because they will be satisfied. Look at um, the first half of verse 21. Jesus said, blessed are you who are hungry now for you shall be satisfied. Now, Christians who might be starving to death now, and there are Christians who are starving to death in some parts of the world. In North Korea, there are hundreds of thousands of Christians who are being systematically starved to death in prison in North Korea this morning. But Jesus can say to them with all sincerity, Yes, I can see you're starving to death now. And I'm moved by that. But you are blessed, you are happy, because you will be filled. For all eternity, you will feast at the table of the King, isn't it? The Christians who are being systematically starved to death this morning in some parts of the world will feast for all eternity around the table of King Jesus. And Jesus tells his disciples who are weeping now that they are actually blessed. They're actually happy, which is mind-blowing, isn't it? Someone who is weeping, you wouldn't dare tell them, oh, you you are happy. (laughs) Someone who is weeping but Jesus can say so why because they will laugh in the future they will laugh look at um, the second half of verse 21 blessed are you who weep now for you shall laugh for the Christians who experience suffering and sadness now which are many I'm sure there are many people in this room who've gone through terrible suffering and sadness as a Christian. Christians aren't immune from sadness and suffering, are we? But the Christians who experience intense suffering and sadness now, well, their sounds of weeping will be replaced with the sound of laughing as they experience the joy of the new heaven and the new earth forever and ever the former things will not be remembered nor will they come to mind in the new heaven and the new earth for the Christian isn't that wonderful isn't that a comfort and an encouragement and Jesus tells his disciples that they are blessed they are happy when they're hated insulted and rejected for being one of his disciples look at verse uh, 22 Jesus said, blessed are you when, and that's interesting, it's not if, is it? Blessed are you when. If you're a Christian, you will be hated at some point by non-Christians. Could be family members, could be a close friend, a neighbour, a work colleague. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the son of man. Jesus said, when you're persecuted, because of me, you can know happiness, a blessedness. And then, in verse 23, Jesus gives two reasons why his persecuted disciples are blessed did you see them two reasons why jesus his persecuted disciples are blessed can you see that in verse 23 rejoice in that day and leap for joy for behold your reward is great in heaven the persecuted disciples of jesus are blessed because they will receive a great reward in heaven. And secondly, the end of verse 23, for so their fathers did to the prophets. So Jesus his persecuted disciples are blessed because they're following in the footsteps of the great and faithful prophets, like Jeremiah and Isaiah, isn't it, and Ezekiel and Daniel. Oh, I'm following in the footsteps of greatness here when I'm being persecuted. The great and faithful prophets in the Old Testament and even the apostles in the New Testament, we're all persecuted. We're in good company if we're being persecuted as Christians. But what do verses 24 to 26 mean? What do verses 24 to 26 mean? Well, again, woe is a word of grief or condemnation, isn't it? Woe, a word of grief or condemnation. Let's read these words one more time. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now. For you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. For so their fathers did to the false prophets. Strange words, aren't they? Verses 24 to 26. So is Jesus saying in verses 24 to 26 that the rich, the well fed, those who laugh, And those who are spoken well of by everyone will miss out on the new heaven and new earth. Are all rich, well fed, laughing and popular people going to hell? Well, no, of course not. As we heard in the um, children's story, there's only one way to heaven, isn't it? And that is through faith in Jesus Christ. There's only one way to heaven through Jesus and his shed blood. Sins on the cross. But if someone is putting all their hope in being rich, well fed, amused, and being popular, if someone is putting all their hope in being rich, well fed, being amused and popular, in order to find deep and lasting happiness, then that person can't be a true disciple of Jesus. Can they? Because true, deep and lasting happiness is found in who we are, isn't it? Not what we do, not what we have, but who we are. True, deep and lasting happiness is found in being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ the person who claims to be a disciple of Jesus and yet is looking for happiness true deep and lasting happiness in being rich in being well fed in being amused in being liked by everyone else they can't be a true disciple they must be A false disciple or a false prophet, as we read at the end of verse 23. But the wonderful thing is, Jesus invites everyone to be one of his true disciples. Jesus says, come to me to everyone. Jesus gives an invitation to the whosoever, the everyone. I love that. Throughout the Bible, you see these... um, These words that are inclusive, isn't it? An invitation for everyone. Everyone. Whosoever. All. Jesus invites everyone to come to him to be one of his disciples. And we come in faith and repentance. What is repentance? It's turning away from our sin. It's a change of mind, a change of heart. I'm not going to believe what I used to believe. I'm not going to live for what I used to live. I'm going to turn to you, Jesus. And I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust in you as God who suffered, bled and died and rose from the dead for me. I want to learn from you, Jesus. I want to be one of your disciples, a true disciple.